Kelly, welcome to the Protector Show, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. We did it. We made it. Thanks we for having me. We finally made it. I am yeah. the worst at scheduling. Absolute worst. Oh, no. There's, like There's a lot worse out there. Yeah. <laughs> life gets That's a good thing, way. though. It is. That's it a is. good thing. Yeah, usually it's something very positive that you're doing that gets in the way. It is, man. And, you know, hanging out with the kids today, but it's pivoting. It's pivoting. That's one thing we're going to talk about today is like... You know, the transition into different types of work, you know, different types of aspects of your life, especially, you know, when you're after 40, you know, before 60, after 60, anytime you're always pivoting into something new. And like mm-hmm. now I have a son that's going into like he's playing football. So now I got to schedule around like dropping kids off and podcasting and, and day jobs. So, yeah, brother. Yeah. You know, we were just talking about it, you know, pre-production how quickly it can happen too, and unexpectedly. Yeah. But, um, you know, with, with Kelly defense, um, I knew it was coming. I didn't know what it was going to look like because, you know, you and I both are getting kind of close to the end of one career going into another, but we had also decided that, you know, pivoting really isn't totally changing jobs. It's more or less kind of pivoting into another form of what you already know and some of the same skill sets with maybe a little bit added to it. And, um, yeah, for example, for example, going from, you know, pure law enforcement, you know, tactical stuff, operational into training company consulting and that kind of thing. And yeah, I think diverse diversifying is a, is a good way of putting it because then you're, you're more marketable, you know, not only can you do the law enforcement, or in your case, you know, the federal law enforcement, um, the broadcasting, but now you could do, you know, instructing instead of being operational, which is, there's a big need for a lot of that type of stuff. There's a huge need. And, yeah. you know, when I think, when I think pivoting too, I also think about like when we used to march, when you do a half step, you do a full step, you know, you do a reverse step. You're not always pivoting completely in a reverse, completely in a different direction. And you brought up some great points, you know, changing your mentality especially when it comes to like the defense industry, we're talking firearms, we're talking tactics and everything. It's a lot different when you're talking to civilians and people who already have prior training. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's all mindset, you know, pivoting from one job to the next, but training civilians as opposed to someone who has some experience. um, I have honestly found that if you totally give them the same program, it may not work, but the fundamentals never change. So when we're talking about mindset for the law enforcement guys, they know, Hey, you know, I've always got to be prepared to defend myself. Civilians hardly ever think about that. So you interject those things a little bit more along with the fundamentals. And then when you're with the law enforcement guys, you reinforce the danger factor. It's, it's just a little bit different, but honestly, I'm just there to teach them a skill. And then I also find myself talking a lot more about mindset than probably almost everything else because of why we're doing stuff, not necessarily what to do. I can tell someone how to do a mag change or what type of mag change. 
but why we're doing this type of mag change is what you really want to beat into them because then, then again, it's all situational and it's all awareness. Yeah. That's the greatest thing about teaching, you know, so we kind of have the similar backgrounds where it's like, you know, the military, you have law enforcement completely different, but a lot of the same things when it comes to training, especially when it comes to firearms applications. But I remember it being like a young Joe back in the day, like we weren't talking about magazine exchanges. We weren't talking about this mm -hmm. stuff in the nineties. Mm -hmm. Things progress over the years and, and you always have to be training and law enforcement world. You cannot just rely on your once a quarter or once a year, depending on your agency. You have to go and find different organizations like Kelly Defense. And that's one thing I really want to talk to you about is like creating something like that, especially with your background and how it all developed. Yeah. Well, to be 100% honest with you, um, you know, Rick and I have been friends for a long time and everybody knows Rick Hogg from Warhog Tactical and, and from the podcast. But to be 100% honest, it was based on the fact that my kids were getting older. They were interested, even though we'd always had them around firearms being taught safety and actually shooting and learning how to use the tool of a gun. They started to get into the age where they wanted to carry and I wanted them to carry. They're going to college. They're going to their jobs. They're driving around without mom and dad. And I didn't have any credentials to do that for the, for the state we live in. So I went and took the, uh, you know, the $130 course to get the credentials to be able to do that. And then once I did that for the, for the kids, all of a sudden their friends wanted, were interested because their parents had heard that what we had done for our oldest daughter and they have kids that are living on campus by themselves or, or living in an apartment by themselves to go to school or go to the new job. You know, they're not in high school anymore. And it kind of evolved out of that. So I had an LLC. Mm -hmm. Then when, um, Rick, who I've been speak, uh, speaking to for, you know, since 1988, when he started to transition out of the military, he had approached me with the fact that, you know, he worked with me before we had a deployment together and he thought it'd be great if we could do some stuff in the law, law enforcement genre, you know, so I could speak policy and that kind of stuff along with the, the tactics, which he is an expert at. And that's really how, how it all started. And it turned into Kelly defense, but uh, yeah, it, it all started because I wanted to get some of the young people that we knew in our lives able to carry a firearm. And I didn't want to send them to somebody else. That's really how it all started. Okay, you're killing me now because that's kind of essentially how I like during COVID we're sitting around and I'm like, you know what? So many new people are buying guns and so many mm -hmm. of my friends who have never held guns before or anything like that. I wanted the so I wouldn't I do the hundred thirty hundred forty dollars worth of like the NRA cert so I could teach the basic yeah. firearm safety safety teach basic pistol. And the past few weeks is when I actually first started doing it. So I did it one weekend. I did a basic firearm safety. We didn't have any. You know, nothing going on. We weren't shooting the guns. Then last weekend, I started I'm doing a couple phases for a basic pistol. And I'm going to start teaching friends and family because that's the thing. Is like, I want people to understand that it's not just this, this instrument of death. And it's something you don't just right. be scared of and run out of the room. I want people to be like, hey, you know what? When my kids are old enough to go to college, I want them to be like, okay, dad taught me how to do this. Dad taught me like the basic principles. Or even now with the young kids. I know when I was a kid. And I go over to my friend's house, and they had guns. We were always plinking stuff. We were always blowing shit up. Yeah. And I want my kids to be able to go there and get, okay, hey, look, you know, that's a loaded gun. We can't be pointing at each other. Can't do this. Can't go do that. Maybe we shouldn't even mess with it. So that's kind of where the basic firearm safety comes in. 
But now when you're bringing in the tactics, so you have Rick who has this, you know, massive background, your background is great in the LEO and military and policy and everything. You bring those worlds together and you're like, huh, you know what? This is a viable business. And that's where it is. You're pivoting because you and I are both getting to that point where our careers are almost twilighted. Yeah. And it's like, you have to kind of think of like, okay, well, I can't retire and I have to make money. And firearms is something that I enjoy and teaching is something I enjoy. So why not? Why not pivot into like the instructor mode? Yeah. And, and that's funny to say that because it's different, you know, us helping out neighbors and friends, which I think is, man, if you can imagine if we had someone in every neighborhood doing that or making it available. Wow. How powerful is that? Making people safe. Uh, taking the curiosity of firearms away from kids where yeah. these acts, these terrible, horrific accidents wouldn't happen. There was no curiosity in my house when I was a kid, they were always around and you knew how to handle them. Yeah. And, and either, you wouldn't put your hand underneath or in front of a bandsaw and you know, you don't do it with a gun. And, and it was literally that simple. It's a tool. It's a tool and it gets the same respect as any other dangerous tool, but it's an inanimate object and everybody should know that. But the pivoting from that type of clients to actual paying clients. And you said marketable and viable. Mm -hmm. um, It takes, it takes a lot of stuff, you know, it takes the research. um, It takes, you know, where am I going to fit in that space and all that stuff. And it's not just as easy as I thought it was going to be. As a matter of fact, um, it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. You know, I don't know. When you start pivoting and yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it's amazing. Um, but I think with, you know, when you look at that, that's the thing is when you look at some of these websites people have and like scheduling and calendars and what to bring and everything, and you have to treat yeah. everyone. It's like, you know, Joe Snuffy, you have to th- like really break it down to the lowest common denominator when something's going mm-hmm. on like that. Even if yeah. they are prior, lo- prior service or current law enforcement or anything, you always have to think about the different variables. When you're thinking about like, you know, weather, terrain, you're thinking about, it's really a five paragraph op order you're jumping on here for one class. For one class. And you can't depend on anybody else to do it because as soon as you do the logistics, the stuff that you're going to need is not going to be there. So, yeah. But even just going into that, into that business. So pivoting from, you know, working for the man, being operational, you show up, everything's done for you. And now you're putting on class where people are paying for what you are going to offer them before you even get into that. You have to ask yourself, am I even going to fit? You know, is my experience there? Do I even have experience, even though I'm a good, I'm a good shooter or, you know, I've been around uh, firearm instruction my whole life and I've been a cop. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to fit into the space I'm looking to go like training military and law enforcement. And you have to, where, where are my shortfalls? We had a guy ask Rick and I on some of our qu- uh, live question and answer. How do I not being a combat veteran, not being, you know, super spy agent. How do I fit into a space with me just being in the military and being a instructor? And the first thing that Rick and I says, diverse diversifying. So if, let's translate that into law enforcement. You're a patrol officer. You're on patrol for five years. Then you go into a firearms instructor role with your department and you do that for 20 years. You haven't had those. You you might be looking to train military and law enforcement where there are going to be tack guys in there. There's going to be undercover guys. It's hard to talk about things that you've actually never done. That doesn't mean you can't 
teach you straight fundamentals, but it's not going to be as marketable. And if you're not spreading out the marketing to everybody that you can touch and picking up those extra jobs and learning how to do those extra skills, it's going to be very difficult trying to find those few customers. So we had said earlier that diversifying totally opens up the marketing and the opportunities for your business. So you got to think about those shortcomings. You can go out there and get it. You can get some training. You can, uh, you know, join another unit or you, if you have the opportunities, you can do other things and you have to think about that before you just jump into it or you're just going to be spinning your wheels. It's, it's, you know, it's piss poor planning. You have to really think about it. You have to think about it before you jump into it. I was so hesitant to jump into it because I'm like, well, who am I going to teach and what am I going to do? What do I offer? You know, I'm a damn near 50 year old fed, you know, what am I going to bring to the table? And that's why I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to learn everything I can to teach a basic safety class. Then what am I going to do next? I'm going to learn everything I can to teach a basic pistol class. Cause you know, I've been carrying one of these things for 20 something years and I know yeah. how to shoot. I could put really nice holes in targets. I could draw, I could fire. But you have to keep learning. You have to keep developing. It's really a study thing. You have to com- study. I'm on YouTube all the time, learning things. I'm on I'm on the internet all the time. You know, you could take a grain of everything and kind of learn something. You can see what people are doing right. You can see what people are doing wrong. I do want to go to more courses. I know my friends and I are talking about coming out to, you know, a couple of your courses. Because why not? And, yeah. you know, why not go with people you know? Find out what they're doing, what their fundamentals are. Find out what some successful people are. The girl who taught me my basic pistol firearms instructor, she was on a cl- uh, podcast not that long ago. No prior law enforcement, no prior anything. She's always been an instructor. And she did a hell of a job teaching me and showing people yeah. how to shoot. Oh, yeah. You know, and we talk about it all the time, Rick and I on, on the range. If we see some kid, some 22-year-old who's doing something that is – something different and something that is definitely working. Oh, we're stealing it and we're giving it to everybody. Oh yeah. We're giving it to everybody. This isn't a, none of these are secrets. We want to get these things out there so people can benefit from them. If you start believing that you can't learn something from someone, you immediately become infinitely stupider. Absolutely. And, and that's a problem in some of these, I wouldn't say necessarily law enforcement only, but in some of these, genres where these guys just, you know, it's, it's a terrible way to be and you're never going to get any better and you're going to, you're going to miss something and you're not going to pass along something that would help somebody if you didn't keep your eyes open. It happens all the time. And it's, it's a shame. It's a shame, you know, law enforcement, um, you know, having been in it for as long as I have, I'm telling you right now, it's still there. And, um, it's a shame. They, they sometimes don't think, well, what does that guy know? I don't yeah, know. let's go find out. You might learn it's like something. the LARPers, you know, the LARPers yeah. live action role playing. You know, listen, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of kids out there. There's a lot of people out there. I'm like doing really cool stuff. I love watching mm-hmm. it. I love seeing it. And oh, one thing yeah. I, I like to do is like, you know, this whole court TV thing. The reason I love doing it so much is I get to break down shootings. I get to watch so many different um, videos of like real shootings because I'm like, when you're watching someone in the stress of the moment, pulling their firearm and having to use it whether it's the bad guy or the good guy or whatever, you're seeing all the different things that are happening. You're like, huh, I never thought of, I never looked at it that way. And it makes me think like, okay, when I go to the range, I, I used to shoot to try to get perfect scores. Now, a lot of times I'm shooting to get as many good hits on paper as quick as possible that are going to stop yeah. the threat. 
Yeah. And you know, it's a shame sometimes when folks look at a, a shooting and said, Hey, this is what we saw. And we, they kind of break it down. Nobody's doing that to say anything bad about a guy. Mm-hmm. No one's ever, it's, it's all about what can we take away from this that might help somebody else or might help a instructor or a program tweak its information or drills, whatever to see, Hey, you know, that might've been prevented. Had we had done this more. Yep. If you don't take that opportunity to learn from it, even some horrific circumstances and outcomes, if you don't learn from those, you're doing, you're doing everybody a grave injustice. That's why we have after action reviews and you got to mm-hmm. be brutal. You can't sit around, pat everybody on the back. I don't need to hear that. Everything went right. I need to hear what I did wrong, where I was standing, you know, when that happened and we did this, that might not have been the best way. And here's why you got to break that stuff down. If you don't learn from mistakes, especially your own and pass those along, that's a grave injustice to all these young men and women out there. We need to help them out. No, I'm glad you brought up ARs. I think you should have an AR for everything, Mm -hmm. you know, not, you know what I mean? In, in good context. So even if I I give an instructor, so now like, you know, anything I do, I'm always asking like, what can I do better? Because there's a lot of things, we get ingrained in our ways. We don't understand if we're doing something wrong or right. And you got to, you have to take the harsh criticism. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you have to take it as a learning point, not just criticism. You know, it's like, Hey man, you know, this should have been done. We didn't do that. Yeah, man, you're right. I should have done. I, that's I messed that up and this is why I messed it up. And I know that's wrong now. If you, if you just say, yeah, well, no one got hurt or, yeah, everything worked out okay. That that's not that's not no, going to cut it. Not at all. That's not going to cut it. And you hear you'll hear a lot of that. Yeah, it, yeah. And that's the thing too is like we're getting it's a different industry than it was five six years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this COVID thing really changed things around. People started really getting like, oh man. When I went to my basic firearms thing, because in order to get the instructor for people out there who haven't done it yet, in order to get your basic NRA instructor sir, you got to go to the basic course yourself. Right. That room. Had the demographics you could never imagine. It young people, and it had old old people, and I guarantee you they weren't voting straight down the the line for the Republican Party. There were people out oh, there no. who are jumping into this industry, who want to save lives. They want to save their life. They want to protect their livelihood. They want to protect their home, and it doesn't matter. They don't care about politics when it comes down to it. At the end of the day, they're like, "This is a tool." And this is what I need to do to protect myself. And if I don't get one, someone else is going to break down my door and they're going to have one. So I better learn mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And that's why yeah. the, the marketplace talk about pivoting out there. There are every time you look at a basic firearms course now, they're all sold out because mm-hmm. everybody wants to learn, even if it's safety. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good thing. And we, you know, we've talked about this before. Uh, I think when you were on our show, we talked about, the uh, constitutional carry and some of these other things are coming about and how we were, we don't like being told what to do. We don't like to be, you know, law abiding citizens being restricted. However, we were concerned about the lack of attendance going forward with the education piece. They're not required in a lot of these instances. I don't want people to be made to go though. So I, I, I see it, but I, I would just hope that people would be open to going to courses and, learning, being safe, training without being told to the smart ones always will. You know, if you're smart, you're going to be safe. You're going to learn how to be safe. 
And if you're safe, you're going to be confident. And if you're confident, you're going to go train. That's basically how it works. And we all know what happens. Most of the time they get their CCW, they go through the eight hour class and then they never train again. No, nope. it's a terrible, terrible thing to do. And they don't train with the holster they're going to carry. They don't train about where yeah. they're going to carry. They're not going to train about anything. Yeah. They're just going to, Hey, you know what? I'm going to take this gun. I'm going to throw my backpack and if shit hits a fan, I'm going to use it. No, it doesn't work out that way. Just yeah. like someone says, I'm going to put it in my purse. Hey, you know, good luck trying to grab a, a pistol out of your purse. You know, just, yeah. you have to, yeah, train. I'm not a big fan of the, the off body carry either, but you know, but that, that genre that you're entering to entering into, I think, like you said, it's, it's exploding. So if you're really going to start, you know, opening up that training piece to uh, all your businesses and all the things you have going on, man, I don't think you're going to have any trouble getting clients and hopefully not. That's a good, that's a real good thing. No, it is. And that, but I like that. That's one thing I like about the, the Kelly defense is like, so if I want to go out, I live in a very, I'm right outside of DC. I need mm-hmm. to drive 25 minutes to go to an indoor range. I got to drive an hour and a half an hour to get to an outdoor range. There's not a lot of viable training opportunities around here where I'm, I don't really feel comfortable in a lot of these indoor ranges because some people just go there. They've got a gun for the first time. That thing is all over the place. And you're kind of like, eh. Yeah. Or they rent one. So they yeah, don't even own one. one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And after yeah. a while you're like, is it worth it? So when yeah. I do do my indoor instruction, I'm actually going to see if I get just rent a range. Even if it costs me a little money out of my pocket right away mm-hmm. so I can get used to teaching. But I want to understand like, Let's say I'm like, okay, you know what, Mark and Rick, they have a really cool program going on. What, I just go to your website or check you guys out or email you? I mean, you guys have a hell of a yeah. presence on social media and stuff, but. Oh, I appreciate that. What trying, makes, trying to keep up with you, buddy. Not me. Trying to keep up with you. This episode brought to you by Ranger Point Precision. One thing I love about Ranger Point Precision is they have everything I need to upgrade my lever action. Whether you have a Henry, a Marlin, a Rossi, they have what you need to upgrade it and make it really cool. I have an awesome Marlin lever action right now. What I did was I put on a front forend on it and now I could put on like a side mount for my cartridges. I could put on optics. I could do anything I need. Whatever you need, they have it at Ranger Point Precision. It is a lever action life. And if you don't have a lever action, I think it's time to go out there and get one. My next one's going to be Henry 44, and you better guarantee I am going to Ranger Point Precision and grabbing some upgraded parts for that lever action. Head over to rangerpointprecision.com and use code PROTECTORS for 15% off. <laughs> no, you go to uh, kellydefense.com, uh, one word, or you go to warhog.com. All our training calendars are in there. Or you just send us a DM and say, hey, I want to set up a training. It's really that simple. And very few times do we find where we can't schedule something. Um, you know, Kev- Kelly Defense is a mobile firearms tactical training company. And uh, we do mill LEO guys, but we do civilians too. And we have a lot of private classes. So if you have a group that wants to do pistol, rifle, or a combination of both, you can set up your own private class and it doesn't cost any more or any less. You just have to get us there and help us find a location. Now you can always come to one of our many open enrollments. We haven't had a lot this year. It's been very mill and LEO heavy, probably because of the uh, prices of ammo, which I totally get. It's not an excuse to go out and get training. You got to have your training uh, ammo set aside, but you know, Kelly defense just really wants to make people more effective and efficient and safe and confident. That's really what we want to do because most of these guys have options out there. And you, like you said, the big box stores, the indoor ranges, they can go to these, 
you know, $99 certification classes. That's all those are. Those are certification classes. Kelly Defense wants to provide a serious training experience based on techniques and methods that are proven uh, through experience. And that's the different piece to that. You go get your certification. That's great. But you got to train. That's a big, it's a big difference. And, you know, the, the beautiful thing about Kelly Defense and Warhawk Tactical is we really try to leave them with things that they can take home and practice. This isn't rocket science. This is no secret. And we tell them, here, this is what you need to do. You know, you need to dry fire, and this is what you need to dry fire. And we have our Patreon page where you can go and get all the drills, and you can go on YouTube and get some. A lot of it's out there on social. We're not hiding it from everybody. We want everybody to to um, have a good, safe training session, and uh, that's what we're trying to do. Well, you know, you brought up a great point. Don't take take the mysticism out of it. It's not some mystical yeah. thing where, like, you're going to draw your gun, you're going to shoot like a Delta operator, like, after one day. No. Yeah. There's ways to do, there's ways to train, there's dry fire, there's other ways, there's tactics, training, and everything else. But a, a tool is a tool. If you learn how to yeah. properly use a tool, it's going to do exactly what it needs to do. It, you're going to be able to shoot the target just as good as any, well, not as good as everybody else, but yeah. after a while, you're going to shoot it pretty damn good, regardless of what your background is. Civilian, yeah. male, LEO. Yeah. So yeah, brother. Let's talk and, about what, what else is going on with you guys. Well, you know, the podcast, you know, we got the podcast Great. going and I love, I love your series um, on how to start a podcast. Rick and I on, on the range podcast, we are the same way as you, the more the merrier. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest piece of that is probably, I don't think anybody could have anticipated how big podcasting could explode and as quickly as it did in 2020. Now, Joe Rogan, he's an anomaly because he's been doing it for a long time. But look how powerful there's there's not a network show out there that gets the reach that Joe Rogan does. Nope. And I know that on the range podcast and the protector podcast, I'm telling you right now, the reach is not insignificant. And we want and I, I'm with you. I, we talked about this in the past that, man, I don't even watch like normal TV most of the time, unless I know someone like yourself or someone on uh, one of the other networks that we want to watch who are friends of ours. I'm, I'm a podcast and YouTube watching son of a gun, man. You know, YouTube, I'm on that sucker all the time. And what I want to do and I'm watching, I watch shows on YouTube. I'm watching like yeah. podcasts on YouTube. So it's like, I know it's crazy. It's unbelievable. That, there's plenty to go around though. I mean, I was talking to someone today. There's they're starting a podcast. They're like, what do you need? I'm like, you need your phone. And if you're gonna do you gotta have an audience, you gotta niche it down, and you don't wanna just ramble because people don't really give a shit. People wanna be engaged mm -hmm. and they wanna be vested in you and they wanna learn. And that's the yeah. thing about podcasting. If you wanna do it, do it. Grind it. Do five, six episodes. You don't like it, don't do it anymore. Right. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is, is how of the, the level of high production value that some of these guys are doing like yourself and, and we we're pretty proud of our production. It's amazing. And there's some really good shows out there and they may have like a hundred subscribers. Yeah. They're just killing it and they're just killing it. And you know that the audio side is usually the, the more uh, tangible uh, analytics that you can get. Cause you can't really trust on what kind of reach you're going to get on some of the social platforms, but those yeah. audio numbers, it's unbelievable. And, I, I, I got to tell you, you know, when we started that, that show, I, 
kind of approach Rick. I said, Hey man, you know, cause the pandemic had just hit. Everybody's locked down, not really knowing what's going on. You know, some people were skeptical, but Hey, you know, fair enough. It was pretty scary for a lot of folks. I get it. I was like, dude, how are we going to keep engaging with mm-hmm. our groups? I, I let's do a podcast, man. Yeah. And, uh, we, it was, it was a uh, janky and it didn't sound all that great, but we had a blast and we had 17 listens once. And I was like, Oh my gosh, 17 individuals listen to our show. Yeah. I was thrilled. I was thrilled. And now we're to the point where we get to talk to guys like you and have great conversations and just meet some cool people and highlight some amazing companies and individuals just doing great stuff. It's been a godsend for us and it's really taking a life of its own. You know, we really wanted to promote Kelly defense and Warhawk tactical. That's really what we wanted to do and keep that name, those names going out there. But man, it is just developed into a life of its own and we love it. I hear you, brother. I hear you. Now I just branched off and started another podcast. You know, I'm sure you guys should, I think you should have just a tactics and techniques and shooting <laughs> one, you know, cause I mean, yeah. I'm telling people now, I'm like, you know what, you know, just, I want to learn something. Mm-hmm. And it's gotta be like, you yeah. know, there's, it, it's just, I love podcasting, man. I could talk about podcasting all day long. Oh, and man. now I'm like, I'm obsessed with training. Like I want to learn as much as I can about starting a business when it comes to a small business of just training. And I don't plan on making it like my income. Like that's not, that's going to be like my, my fun thing to do to bring an extra, you know, cash here and there to go on a vacation. I yeah. want, I want to just teach people, like just get them to put a firearm in their hand and be like, you know what? this isn't as dangerous as I thought it was. It's not just going to fire and, you know, it's going to kill a million people. Yeah. And even those folks who, you know, have some pretty good experience shooting, you see those light bulb moments and you know that, man, okay, this person's getting it. I really believe that they learned something today and they're happy with the results and they had a good time. They felt safe. And that's a huge hurdle, especially with newer shooters when they're just not comfortable with firearms. And I totally understand it. They hear all the bad stuff about it, but once they start to train and not worry about the safety, because we've gone over the safety, we've talked about it. They know what not to do, how to be safe. And now they're comfortable with it. Then they start to train and that's big because now they're not going to be afraid to go to the big box store indoor range. They're not going to be afraid to join a gun club and and feel like they're going to look stupid. And I know that sounds when no. you're really trying to learn how to protect, I know it sounds crazy to some folks, but that's a real thing. That's a very real thing. And once you overcome that and they start learning some stuff and you know, they're going to keep with it. That's a huge, huge plus, huge plus. Who likes going to a gun shop, even a big box, small box or whatever, and have to deal with, you know, that guy behind the counter, you know who I'm talking oh, about. Man. I know. It's horrible. And if they go to you and they've yeah. never, and that's why I'm like, I'm going to really tailor it down to like, look, I've got every type of gun you can imagine. Um, you could test them, you could try it, you could see what you like, and then you can go to the, the store and buy what you want. But one thing I did want to touch on today was about, you know, you are teaching tactics and stuff. You're teaching some really good stuff, not just basic firearms. What's a civilian market like? What's it like teaching someone who's a civilian who, who's never really, like they've shot and they've, they probably shoot pretty good, uh, but they want to train. When it comes to civilians wanting to train and not just be certified in CCW, the market's a lot smaller. It just is. Now, they, there are folks out there 
that want to get some training. But the market for, hey, I want to be able to carry my my firearm, you know, concealed. That's where the big market is, because people, I, I just want to, I want to get my CCW. I want to get my CCW. Well, maybe you might want to think about getting some training. They they don't think about that because they just think, well, you know, all you do is just point it and shoot it. And they just they just you don't know what you don't know. And the training piece is so much more important than just getting that certification. Yeah, and unfortunately, a, it's it's a lot smaller. Yeah, when you start thinking about CCW and you start thinking about okay, you know, law enforcement, you're always thinking about like what's beyond that target. What's going to happen mm-hmm. when you draw that pistol? Everybody sees a pistol. Yeah, are the cops going to think that you're a bad guy? Everything that goes into it, people just re- don't realize that like, hey, you know, just because you have a CCW, there's that's just the beginning and you really should train. Yeah. Are you doing like rifle training and stuff with the civilian market as well? We do. We do. As a matter of fact, uh, Rick and I had two last year that were private courses. Um, I had one by myself with just Kelly Defense, but it was a rifle, uh, basic one day rifle, Kelly Defense uh, rifle. And uh, it was a carbine. Had a couple of strange um you know, carbines out there, but most of them are just the AR platform. And, uh, yeah, we had, we've had three in the last year that were just straight up civilians who wanted to come out and train. The one group had been with us multiple times and they transitioned to, uh, the rifle from the handgun. But, uh, yeah, we've had some pretty good market. As a matter of fact, there for a while was almost all carbine. I don't know why that was. Now it's pretty much transitioning back to all handgun. There's like a lot of fun courses out there right now. They have, um, I see a lot of AK courses popping up. See a yeah. lot of AK courses popping up lately. I wonder why, but hey, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I Ken really Allen, want... Ken Allen up in uh, New Hampshire's got a real good course. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but no, uh, he's he's got he's he's pretty much found his little niche, and it's all AK forty seven stuff, really good stuff. Um, you know, and he's found that, and he's he's done a pretty good job. But he's very good at what he does. Uh, he's got a social media platform that you can look at. Several of them. He's really good, Ken Allen. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely check him out. Because uh, you know what's funny? Yeah. is like you go to the range, you shoot an AK for a while, and then you pick up an <laughs> AR. And I'm my 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 hand's always going under to do the yeah. uh, the pull the slide back. That's why I'm glad I have ambidextrous, uh, what do you call it, charging yeah. handles and everything. Because I'm like, uh-huh. it's crazy, man. Yeah. So yeah. as far as the LEOs in military, that must be pretty cool. Because I've never been to a, a private, you know, I've never been to a private training outside of my own agencies. Yeah. And, and thank goodness, thank goodness that that's a, that's a thing now. And let's face it. Most of them are Rick, um, you know, Dutch Moyer. Most of them are those guys, someone that has been around and you're really going to get something out of it. Good for them. Um, it is probably one of the most satisfying things to have some young military guys out there and young LEOs going to a private company for training. It is very satisfying. And I think they're very happy with the results. And I just wish it was a little bit more, more often just going to law enforcement agency to law enforcement agency for training or just doing your, I don't consider quals as a training day. It's a, it's a testing day, but getting out there and seeing what else is out there from, from other folks who have something to add or something to, to help you get over a hump and, I don't know if they're sending people just because it looks cool or if they're sending some, uh, someone out to a training to try to overcome a shortfall. I don't know exactly how they're choosing. Um, let's face it. A lot of them are probably just looking on, um, social media and saying, Hey, look, you know, we could do some, some brush up on fundamentals. 
these guys look like they know what they're doing. That's probably how it's being chosen. But um, yeah, it's very satisfying to see some of those young guys and sending them out there with a start that you and I may not have had. There was never, you used to have a couple of guys that would come out and teach you how to shoot who were like Olympic shooters and stuff. Mm -hmm. They were great shooters, but they're coming from a speed holster. They have different loads. They have different optics. It's not what we're using. It's not the holster we're using. Rick and I try to use, if, if they, none of them have red dots, we don't use red dot. If all of them have a strap and a hood on their holster, we try to bring a strap and hood on our holster. So we're using the same gear that they are and teaching what we see issues with and what they can do to make themselves more efficient. I don't remember any of that when I was a young officer ever. No, no, not at all. Never going out there. No. And one thing I'd like to see is, is not just the young officer anymore. Cause I know you and I, and I keep bringing it up because it's the truth is we're getting older. But yep. the need for a firearm doesn't go away. The need no. for learning how new techniques and stuff does not go away. And that's why yeah. I like to see some courses for that older guy, the guy who maybe not can't get on his knees and crawl through the mm-hmm. mud, but he can draw and he could fire it and he could do what he's got to do or her. It's not mm-hmm. just guys. And it, there's a, so many women, LEOs out there, women, everything that really deserve to know, deserve to have that training. So I, I think I see a, a future in the, the over 40 or over 50 training realm. I think that'd oh, be yeah. kind of cool, you know, like not a gentleman's yeah. course because I think that's bullshit. I hate when they say gentleman's courses. I think it should be like, okay, we're going to, here's a deal. Here's what we're going to look for. And this is what you're going to do. If you could do it, I think you should do it. Yeah. Especially on the civilian side of the house. We had an individual who two knee replacements couldn't get up and down from the prone to zero his rifle. I said, why haven't you ever zeroed your rifle? Well, because I, you know, I can't, get a stable platform. So we showed him a couple of techniques that you could do at almost yeah. any range, help him out, just stuff like that. Where to carry, if, especially if you're going to go to a um, to a firearm from somewhere other than your body retention, how to help him be a little more efficient with that. We can customize all that stuff. And I think you're right. Not everybody is going to be the law enforcement or shooting under duress and stuff. That's not going to happen. Here's the it's other most one. Most of the time, yeah. The girth, <laughs> the girth. Oh yeah. Carrying concealed with girth. <laughs> that should be a yeah. whole one. Are you a plus size yeah. man or woman? Come on out. <laughs> we're going to show you where to put that. Because, you know, yeah. sitting in yeah, a car they're... with a concealed, with a concealed carry is another thing. Sitting in a seat mm-hmm. for extended period. Yeah. There's so much that goes around and there's so much they could teach people. And that's why I think it's such a great thing. You know, it's funny that you say that because uh, I did a piece on our Patreon page and um, it was exactly that. Uh, carrying appendix or carrying on the hip, getting in out of a vehicle. And I specifically mm-hmm. talked about the holster we were using because it was e- easily transferred from, you know, position to position. Cause let's face it. Some people are bigger and they can't sit or stand the, you know, without the being able to get to the holster. So this particular holster made it easy to transition around the, the, uh, your pant. And All we right. talked about it and we specifically brought that up because it's important. It's important. I don't want someone to not carry a firearm when they are proficient with it simply because they can't or have never been taught a way to do it with their body mm-hmm. type. It's a shame. It gets, it'll get you killed. Why, yeah. And you know, the other thing too, it'll get you killed. I did this really cool video a while back. I think it was cool. There was a, a clip from Miami Vice from the 1980s where they actually had a pro shooter in there. And he, he draws and fires at a cop that just looks away for like a second. And he had his 1911 and he shoots, bam, bam, bam. 
And you're like, holy shit. So I went to the range and I tried it. But the first time I pulled the gun out of my appendix, I didn't have the clip around my belt. So the whole holster came out. It's embarrassing as shit. Mm-hmm. But you know what? After that, I learned, I'm like, okay, some of these belt clips people have for their IWBs and AI uh, appendix and everything like that are not clipping on their belt. So you have to mm-hmm. practice with what you're going to carry. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing. A lot of these big box store indoor ranges or outdoor ranges don't allow you to draw. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of, of dry fire. Yeah. You have to, you know, train like we fight, you know, okay. I don't need to be in full kit, but well, that's the other if thing I'm too, going- you know what? I, I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause like feds 99% of the time, if you you're carrying your gun and it's concealed somewhere on your body, it's not with, this badass pistol rig, you know, from wild or tactical or anywhere no. else. It's not, it's on your body. You're lucky mm-hmm. if you have an extra mag with you and you have some cuffs, it's not on this big tack belt. So get used to, I think when you qual as a fed, you should have to do both. You should have to qual with, you know, whatever your everyday carry is, whatever your holster is. And then if you're going to do, okay, we're going to go and we're going to do a warrant or something like that. This is what I'm going to carry. Do a couple, yeah. at, at least, or at least a couple quarters of the year, Bring, hey, you know what? What are you carrying every day? If you're carrying an uncle holster, uh, you know, you're kind of wrong in the first place. But maybe that's your only option. Maybe you're going to court. Yeah. Maybe you're going somewhere. Yeah. You don't, you know. I think that's a great well, idea. Yeah, they should be training. You know, I think the qual piece too is important with all those different options because it will make you train. It'll make you prepare for that. But listen, the if you're not a uniform police officer, if you're not a uniform police for, or you're not a, you know, a tactical guy or whatever, and that's your full-time gig, most of the time when you're carrying your firearm, if you're a detective or if you're just a civilian, you're going to be in your everyday carry concealment. You have to train with it. You can't just train for that one second, you know, sub-second draw and, and shot because yeah. you saw it on YouTube when you're never going to be carrying it like that into Walmart. Nope. Or into the, you know, into the grocery store. It's, you need to train with all your stuff. And if you have multiple holsters and, and, uh, ways of dress for work, you should be trained with all those things. That's a great point. And we try to push that. I think we have a, a future course together. It's going to be the, the over 40 and <laughs> not quite ripped abs. We'll say that. Not, yeah. My abs aren't yeah. ripped. over 40, not quite yeah. 80. And, and Brother, that's another thing too. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I appreciate everything you're doing in the training realm, man. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you put together. And um, and I really like the, the podcast series, man. I, I just really dig that. I think it's very important because this marketing, it, if you don't market yourself, whether that is a, with a, um, a resume on LinkedIn or if it's a YouTube page, if you're not marketing it's tough, yourself, it's, it's tough. But you got it. Like you said, just you got to get it out there, man. No, that's our community, though. Who wants – I mean, maybe I can't swim enough, if you know what I mean. But the people in our, our realm, is really tough to uh, to market, and we're horrible at it. It's because I don't want to yeah. toot my own horn. You know, like, I the only reason yeah. I did a lot of the shit I did was just because I wanted to learn. You know, that's the reason I'm yeah. Dr. Piccolo. It's just because, and now it gives me cred when I go on TV and shit like that. And I yeah. do TV so I could bring attention to the podcast. I do the podcast so I could bring attention to whatever. Yeah. I just, you know, it, for marketing, I, I really do need to do a series on marketing because we could all learn a lot of it. I know I could learn a lot more about marketing. Yeah. You know, the online stuff, 
um, the social media stuff, it is so huge. And it's, it's a, in this day and age, it really is a necessity. The reach that you get doing a YouTube page or an Instagram or a Facebook page or all the above, mm-hmm. which everybody probably is, who's really getting into it. That reach is just unbelievable and you're not going to get it really anywhere else. And, um, you know, I, these aren't normal jobs. Like you said, we, you got to get your name out there somehow and you have to put out some content and you have to go out, take some training, do some reviews, do something to get mm-hmm. your name out there. And, uh, it's, it's a big problem. Like you said, you don't want to look like a toolbox and you're, you're really just trying to help people. You're not trying to exactly. look cool wearing, wearing kit, but there's a fine line. Here's another thing too, that, that, um, that, uh, kit porn, people love it. Yeah. They love, they love wearing it. kit. Yeah. You know, it's just me and Rick wearing our, here, we wear just, pant belts, you know. <laughs> once we get off here, I might throw some tactical gear on and, you know, take some pictures, <laughs> take some LARPing pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, brother, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, thanks for having me, Jason. I know it took a while to get us, uh, get us on here, but I really appreciate it. Um, well, that's just me. Beth love what you're me. doing. And we, we appreciate you being on our show and hopefully you guys will I'd, check that out. It's a great, great episode. Everybody go check out on a rage podcast, Kelly defense, uh, Warhawk tactical. There's so many, I mean, you guys are doing great things. I'm going to drop links everywhere, but oh, I thanks, do, buddy. I want to do more of these. I want to do, I want to start doing round tables and just mm-hmm. everybody who, who doesn't know this is, I'm going up on 50 episodes for this season, but awesome. at that, I might cut it off and I might, start doing season five because I am 200 or something days away from 50. So this is my road <laughs> to 50 years. So I mean like season five, I want to learn something every episode. Like today I learned so much about different, like just thinking about like a training class for people over 40 or yeah. people who can't, you know, the mobility might not be the thing. Stuff like that, pivoting leadership. I want, I don't just want to learn. I mean, it's selfish, but I want everybody else to learn. So for this next season, I think it's just, we're going to have to learn something. That's why I want to do round tables with you and Rick. I want to get more people on. I just want to have a lot of good chats, man. Yeah. And those, those, um, I don't call them special needs, but a different needs for different folks. You know, you can yeah. curtail some of your trainings, but there's guys out there doing a lot of great stuff. You know, Marcus Torgerson, he does, Marcus um, awesome, man. self, Oh man, what a great guy. I had, I've had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times. Just love that guy. And he does uh, self-defense for folks who are severe, severely handicapped. And mm-hmm. it brings joy to him, a sense of confidence. And it's a real need for these guys to be able to defend themselves. And, and he's, yeah. he's good, man. He's really good. Awesome. What a great guy. Go check him out, Marcus Torgerson. Yeah. Yeah, he was on uh, the show last week. We so I have the other podcast, the protagonist, oh, antagonist one, oh, and that's, that's where we right, just talking about right. movies and stuff. So we had him on last oh, week man. talking about they live. Tomorrow night is oh be, man, uh, Nick Cage is tomorrow night. We're going to talk about Nick Cage oh, movies, Con Air. Face so off. they live is that the one where uh, Roddy Piper was on there? Yeah, oh, Rowdy, Roddy Piper. Oh, I love that movie, man. Yeah, he was one of my favorites. <sighs> he was great in that movie. He was man. Yeah, poor guy. You gotta go. You gotta go yeah. watch that show, man, or listen to it. I think I, it's uploaded as a podcast now too. Not on protagonist, yeah, okay. but on the protagonist. All right, but brother, when was that? That was the last week. Last week. Well, whoever's right, listening, y'all got it, to have to hit it. Just look for episode six or seven for the other show. Yeah. Thanks, brother. 